Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, it's so good to be in church and uh, be on the platform. And today's a very special day because I'm interviewing Dr. Sam Chand all the way from America. And we're going to have a chat. And this is going to be across all our campuses uh, for the weekend. So I hope you enjoy this today. And uh, Dr. Sam, great to be able to chat to you online. I'm going to introduce him to you before we go ahead because not everybody would know him. He's been to Rivers a number of times and he's been a speaker at conferences, at staff retreats and at weekend services, you know, both on the Durban campus and at Santon. And uh, he's a former pastor and college president, chancellor, and now serves as President Emeritus of Beulah Heights University. Good credentials you've got there. And in this season of his life, Sam Chan does one thing, leadership. His singular vision for his life is to help others succeed. That's fantastic. And uh, he serves pastors, ministries, governments, social organizations, and businesses as a leadership architect and a change strategist. So he's worth listening to. And Sam speaks regularly at leadership conferences, churches, corporations, seminars, and other leadership development opportunities. And uh, most of all, he's become a good friend, and we've had some great times together. So welcome, Sam. Great to have you with us today, and uh, look forward to chatting to you. It's great to be back with you, Pastor Andre, and all the Rivers family, Pastor Wilma, and the great team there. I'm just honored that you would have me on the big screen. Thank you so very much. Well, it's uh, the COVID virus has spread and bringing with it a level of panic and fear, uh, unlike anything we've ever experienced before from the supermarket to the stock market uh, to the church pew. And uh, 4.4 million people are infected. It's quite a staggering number. And when you watch the news and so on, you can be quite overwhelmed by these figures. More than 300,000 have died. And uh, South Africa has 12,700-odd infections, and 238 people have died as of our conversation today. But I found it interesting that while we need to respond to it carefully and wisely, the World Health Organization has said that the flu kills some 650,000 people a year globally. So those are astronomical numbers. In the U.S., 34,000 died of normal flu uh, last year. And in South Africa, 11,000 people died of flu in the last year. So are we reacting to this thing sensibly? I mean, we need to observe what, what the government is saying and wash our hands and use sanitizers and observe, um, you know, physical distancing. I don't call it social distancing, physical distancing. But is, is this a panic that is, has got out of proportion? It really has. And I think there's a big difference between uh, caution and fear. Yes. Fear is uh, all emotional. Caution is wisdom, understanding what is happening. So when you think about uh, uh, washing your hands, I think we should have been doing that all along. We should. For example, <laughs> That's, that would be recommended anyhow. Uh, and unfortunately, I think fear and panic and responding to fear and panic might kill more people than the pandemic itself. Because fear is something that settles in your life and your heart. 
and, and it creates an emotional disconnect between you and your body and your body immune system starts breaking down because of all of the neurosciences that I can't explain, but I, but I understand and believe uh, start happening inside of you. So I want to say to all of my friends right now that we are not afraid as believers, but we are cautious as believers. Jesus said that to us. He said, be wise, be cautious. Mm. Don't, don't be just running out there. And I think that is where uh, I am so glad to see uh, leaders like you, Pastor Andre, who are finding this balance in leading an, an amazingly large and complex organization such as Rivers Church uh, in that counterbalance of uh, fear mongering, faith lifting, and finding caution and wisdom in the in the middle of it all. And, and, and the whole notion of uh, the sovereignty of God has to play into this somewhere. <laughs> I mean, uh, if either we believe the Bible or we don't believe the Bible. Either we believe there's a God or we don't believe there's a God. Even either we believe that God has everything under control and he knows the end from the beginning or we don't. Hmm. Uh, we are not driftwood forcing, being forced through life. And that is why it's so important for believers, everyone, everywhere to know, keep exercising due diligence and caution. Uh, my wife and I, in a few months, are going to be 68 years old. We are in that category, <laughs> the highly susceptible category. So we are just being more careful. Yes. Uh, and, and that's all I'm saying. It's not fear at all. It is knowing that God has given us wisdom and we need to walk in that wisdom. Yes, it's, that, it's, it's such an important thing to strike the balance, to observe all these regulations, to be very sensible. I mean, washing your hands is just a basic good hygiene. But then the wisdom of knowing what is actually happening in the world. I think a lot of Christians are saying God's judging us. And I've heard that, uh, you know, 2 Chronicles 7, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, you know, and seek my face and pray, then I'll heal their land. So people are saying the church is not holy enough and God is judging us and that's incorrect. So that's an incorrect perspective as well. So you've got fear and incorrect perspectives. So we really need to know God is in control. And uh, he has not wound up this clock called the world and left us to our own devices. And he is not bringing this virus to judge us because we're not holy enough. Somewhere in the midst of it, we're living in a fallen world. Do you want to comment on that? Absolutely. I think from the time of Jesus and even before that, there's been this whole thing about something bad happens that means somebody sinned. Yes. There, there, it seems to be this rush to judgment. Remember the, uh, the, the man who was blind and uh, they came to Jesus. His disciples came to Jesus and the others came to Jesus and said, who sinned? Mm. And Jesus said, nobody. This was so that you would see this miracle. This man <laughs> was born blind so that you could see what I'm about to do right now. And, and I think there's this rush to judgment of Something has happened here that I don't understand that is negative, that is bad, and there, that means that something has preceded that as sin. Because when I look at the plagues in the Bible, when I look at God's judgment in the Bible, number one, it all started supernaturally. Uh, COVID-19, somewhere, uh, it doesn't matter where you want to place it, it started somewhere with mankind. Yes, be it a market, be it a lab, really, that's not for me to decide. But it start, it was it's man-made, not God-made. So that's one thing. The second thing is 
that whenever God's judgment has come, it's always come to rebuke a certain sin in a certain group of people, in a certain group of people. So, so when the plague came in Egypt, for example, uh, uh, think about the Passover. When, uh, when the plague came and all the firstborns of the Egyptians were killed, it did not kill the Jewish firstborns. It came to a certain group of people. What we are experiencing right now is something that's not a respecter of people. Yes. Believers and non-believers are dying. Uh, pastors have, have died. Pastors' families have died. I just read yesterday how uh, a father and son, both pastors at the same church in Detroit, died within two days of each other. Wow. So what I'm saying here is don't be in a rush to connect this to that. Mm. And, and we've, got, we've got to understand that uh, it's not God's judgment. If we live in a fallen world. <laughs> the fall has occurred. It is contingent on all of us. And therefore, uh, I think those who are trying to uh, say this is God's judgment are erroneous. And I think that's a very misleading concept of who God is, what God does, and how he has acted in human history. Those three things have to be understood about the, about the God himself. Because if we, if we go down that road, Pastor Andre, then we have a total misunderstanding of who God is. We have a total misunderstanding of what God does. And we have a total misunderstanding of how God has acted in human history. This is not at all. This is just the world that we live in. And, and so I think believers and non-believers need to know we don't serve a God who's like that. We serve a loving God. Yes, indeed. And also we can uh, damage the character of God, attack the character of God, and deny the new covenant because the new covenant is one of grace and of mercy and not one of performance. So very difficult times, people wading through all the information that's around. I wanted us to chat for a moment about the whole concept of change, and certainly everything has changed. I mean, even the way we do church is going to change. We wonder when we get back, can't even pass around an offering bag because too many people are going to touch it. Can't take your kids to kids zone because they're going to be afraid they're going to be infected. So there's a lot of that sort of thing. And people are talking about sanitizing one's whole body in cubicles and things that are not proven to be sensible. You can't even use your coffee shop. Volunteers can't even shake hands with people at the door. So there's a redefining. I think we're going to open a new ministry. It's called doorknob cleaning and handrail wiping. But there's, I mean, we're facing so many changes. What have you seen in the States as people have started going back to church? Because you guys are slightly ahead with opening buildings and so on over the last two or three weeks. What have you, is there anything we can learn from it that you've seen? Well, let me, let me go two different ways on it. Number one, what I've seen is a change in how people have valued church. What we used to take for granted, we yearn for now. Hmm. And before I go any further, let me also kind of digress from that and say, knowing human nature as human nature is. For the first few weeks, we will be saying, this is amazing, I'm back at church, this is so good. And then human nature being what it is, will start taking it for granted. So I think one of the things that has already changed is the value of church. The second thing that, we, that has changed is the value of relationships. 
people who used to sit in the same area that you sit in in church, the people that you served with at the cafe, the people you served with in the parking lot, the people you served with in the children's ministry, the people that you congregated with before and after the service, the people that you went out to eat with, you, you we are finding new value in relationships. Yes, definitely. The third thing is we are finding new value in worship. Something but corporate worship. Now, my wife and I... Uh, tune into our church and other churches and we sit in our room with a cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, no one is watching us, so we might be dressed. We might not be totally dressed. You know, we may have brushed our teeth, maybe not have brushed our teeth. And, and so we are there and it's all good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's all good. But it's, there's something about the gathering together of people and worship, lifting yes. your hands in worship together, raising your voice in worship together, clapping together, shouting together, celebrating together. And also, I think while I am getting the word online from amazing, amazing pastors from all over the world, what I'm really missing is the word in front of me. Yes. There is something about that. So the, I think the first thing that has changed, Pastor Andre, is our value of the church gathering, the value of worshiping together, the value of relationships, and the value of the word that's coming from us. I think on the pragmatic side of things, what is changing is how cautious we are, uh, how we how, how we want to reach out and yet we keep our distance. United States is uh, uh, the physical distance. I like the way you're calling it and you write about that. It's not social distancing. It should be physical distancing uh, that has isolated us socially. Uh, but there but there'll be those moments in which you will want to reach out to somebody. Everything that you touch, you'll be carrying wipes. It, it's There are churches that are opening right now that as you're walking in, they're taking your temperature. You got to have a face mask on. You got to gloves on. Uh, uh, families are sitting together with children because children's ministry will, one, will be one of the last ones to open up. Mm -hmm. Who's going to send their children to a children's ministry not knowing where those children or the child care people have been? Uh, so, so how services are going to be congregated? If you have church pews, uh, that will be harder to govern, but churches that have chairs are removing 70% of the chairs and leaving 30% on the floor. Uh, for people when they walk in to see something has shifted. So there'll be one chair sitting here, two chairs sitting there, six chairs sitting here for a family and so on and so forth. Uh, there will be the, the moment of how you do the offering, like you said, you know, so all the way from electronic to Dropbox to, to just uh, lack of lack of touching there. And I think, I think the biggest change is not in uh, the tactical, part of it, the, the biggest change will be saying to ourselves, so what does church actually mean? It is not what is the church, who is the church? How have I, as part of the church, been behaving, been act, active and acting while we were not inside the church building? Have I still remained the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Has there been a difference in the way I have responded as a believer versus my neighbor who's an unbeliever? Because they're panicking and fearful and I'm panicking and fearful. What's the difference? 
Jesus didn't make yeah. any difference then. But the difference he made for us was that he, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, thou art with me. I'm with you in the storm. So I think the biggest change, Pastor Andre, is understanding that it has to be the word became flesh and dwelt among us, incarnating the word in our lives, actually practicing and finding out what are we really made out of. And I believe if that change happens, the rest of it is manageable. If that change happens, the church's best days are still ahead for it mm. because the church army is rising. We are stronger. We are more vibrant. Our faith is stronger. We have shunned fear and we have embraced faith. We are not looking to the world, but we're looking to God. And mm. I think those are amazing changes in the psyche of the church. Yeah, those are wonderful changes. I think it is a time of testing. And like you say, you can sit at home in your pajamas and you may not have brushed your teeth. But you are being tested as to whether you will engage, whether you will worship, whether you will be open to the word or allow yourself to be distracted with your phone or get up and go make another copy and watch it later. All those sort of things are testing people. And I think it's testing people's emotional reserves as well. Um, I was reading a shocking report and we were sharing it with the leaders that in Italy, when they went into lockdown, they offered free pornographic channels to people in their homes because they knew they were bored and they knew it could hook them. So what sort of habits, eating habits, uh, you know, behavioral habits, uh, lack of discipline, all that sort of thing is a challenge. But those who rise above it and spend time in prayer and in the word and, and regulate their lives will come through it stronger. And I think it's going to be extremely exciting when we get back. I think, in fact, in my opinion, like after World War II, there's going to be a boom. There's going to be a boom and a demand for getting out, eating, buying, producing, that freedom when that pressure's over. I think it's going it's to be quite wonderful. And I think people are going to come back to church carefully, but there's nothing like that momentum and that atmosphere when the band begins to play and we begin to sing together and you see people around you lifting their hands and you, you, someone's in front of you speaking. I think those things are going to be pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I'm desperately looking forward to it. You're absolutely right. I believe the economy is going to come back stronger, faster. Mm. I really believe that. I believe the, the best days of the church are yet ahead in front of it. However, this is what I say to the church, especially the church with a capital C. That what we are going through right now is not the real crisis. The real crisis is about to come to the church and the church will be the only organization on this planet that actually has the answer to that. I believe the crisis we're going through right now is merely the trigger. It's not the bullet. The bullet is still sitting in the barrel of the gun mm. that this is the trigger because like you just said, families are being fragmented during this time. Divorces will skyrocket on the other side when the courts open up. Sexual abuse on a rise. Domestic violence numbers are through the roof. Foster care will increase. Uh, at least in America, we have had close to 90,000 deaths. Wow. Now, imagine for a moment uh, their funerals. Many of them have not even been funeralized yet. And even those that have had funerals have had very, very small, 20, 30 at the most people 
and not in a, in a funeral home, not in a church, but at the cemetery itself. So think about there are literally millions of people who would have gone to these funerals. They have no grief closure. And when you have, don't have grief closure, uh, it, it, it can be a really, really difficult time. So people are going to be dealing with emotional stuff in their life. Families that were on the rocks are going to be totally in a different place right now. And all of these social challenges, emotional challenges, relational challenges, financial challenges, suicides are on the rise. Mm. Hopelessness mm. is on the rise. And I know there are many great social organizations out there, both sacred, secular, and private. I understand that. But really, the church is the hope. The church is the best position organization created by God to be the light and the salt and the hope of the world. And my prayer is that when the real crisis comes, that the church will be preparing now how to meet that crisis then. Because that is the crisis in which Jesus Christ is the only answer and the only hope. So I am praying that the church with a capital C will be ready for what is actually going to come our way and how we have to reach out to people in a totally non-judgmental way and be ready to present to them the only hope for the world, and that is Jesus Christ and all that he brings with them. I totally agree. I think that it's such a wonderful opportunity because what I've noticed is happening is there's chaos and we've had uh, the increase in, in, in abandonment of babies. Kids are being abandoned. There's been domestic violence here as well. But uh, once we come through this, I think the church is going to be in, in, a, in a great position to offer help and minister to need because I also think what's also happening is people's values are being challenged. You know, people put their hope in material things. Now car sales, are, the, the bottom has fallen out. You know, what do you need a car for? You don't drive it. Dressing up, people spend the, their day in their pajamas. They can still work at your computer in your pajamas as long as your top is okay and you're on screen. You can have meetings with top executives <laughs> as long as you don't stand up. Um, I think people's values have been deeply challenged, their values concerning material things. And I think when we come through this, there's going to be a surge, I think, of people coming into church. Also, they've been peeping in on us. You know, they don't, they don't want to visit because they're going to get hooked. But I think a lot of people have been peeping in and saying, hey, this is not so bad. This is quite intelligent. Gee, this is quite wise. Gee, this is bringing hope. So I think it's going to be a very, very exciting time for us when we, when we come back. I'm, I'm super positive that when we come back, there's going to be a surge of business. Because my, and my, and my basis for that is if you look at history, whenever there's been a war, whenever there's been a crisis, when that crisis passes, those nations flourish. There's work, there's opportunity, there's construction. There's a need for, you know, consultation and services and, and goods and services. And, and I think that that's going to happen after the virus. So it's going to be a, 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 a difficult time right now. But when we come back, I think businesses will even make up for what they lost. What do you think of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you for this opportunity, uh, Pastor Andre. So let me speak to business leaders as well as church leaders, uh, nonprofit leaders, NGO leaders, any, anyone who is in leadership. I want to say two things to you very quickly. One is you have an opportunity to observe the new leaders that are rising. In a crisis, new leaders emerge. 
those who are not even on your radar are coming to you with ideas, with solutions, with innovation, entrepreneurship. And there, there are some leaders who are up here and you're finding out they're becoming obsolete. <laughs> they, they really don't have anything new to offer. They, they, they're just kind of going along, but they're not bringing anything to the table. So keep your eye on the new leaders that are rising, new leaders that are emerging, new leaders that are percolating. Keep your eyes on them and do three things with them. The new leaders, you discover them, of course, you develop, you deploy, you discover, develop, deploy. So you're discovering who they are. Please don't get your eyes off the new leaders because these are the new leaders that are going to take you into your new future. So discover, develop them in your core values, in your culture, in your vision, in your mission, in your reason for, in your purpose for being, and then start deploying them in some low level capacity so you can accelerate that and you can ramp it up. So the first thing is keep your eyes on the new leaders. Number two is, there are four questions every leader needs to be asking themselves about their organization. You might be a, a business leader. You might be CEO, executive director, senior pastor. Regardless, here are the four questions you've got to be asking yourself. Number one, what to start. Number two, what to stop. Number three, what to suspend. And number four, what to sustain. A sentence behind each one of them. What to start. This is an amazing opportunity for you to start something. During this time, Pastor Andre, I started a new magazine, actually a leadership journal, 100-page journal called Avail. Anyone can get it free of charge for the first year if they go to availjournal.com. So uh, it's I started a new magazine during these times. What can you start? That while you are in a lockdown, your vision is not in lockdown, your spirit is not in lockdown, your mind is not in lockdown. So Start something. Number two, what can you stop? Every organization knows what you are doing, whatever program you're doing, that is on life support. That needs to go away. This is a great time for you to stop that. Number three, suspend. That means you're not going to start, stop, or anything. You're just going to set it aside just for the moment and say, we will come back, we'll reevaluate, we'll reassess, we'll come back to that. And number four is, what are you going to sustain? What are you going to continue? Because once you've decided what you're going to sustain on the other side, then you can put your attention to it, your planning to it, your vision to it, your financial resources, facilities, people. You can actually lean into that. So every leader needs to keep their eyes on new leaders and keep asking those four questions. What to start, what to stop, what to suspend, and what to sustain. Fantastic. You're always so succinct and clear. I love it. And also, you, you, you're like me. We like to give things to people that they know what to do. Action. So that's great, great advice for business people and any leaders watching. Um, I wanted to just take a moment to mention, because our time has gone so fast, that uh, you're really very good at raising up leaders and obviously developing leaders, and that's, that's your strength. At the moment, you are offering a very special deal to people who want to develop their lives. So that, that is an area that, uh, do you want to talk about that for a moment? Maybe just speak to the people instead of, you know, mentioning it as an afterthought, because I think it's a great opportunity and a great offer. Absolutely. Thank you, Pastor Andre. For years, I've had a thing called the Sam Chan Leadership Institute. And we've been retailing that all over the world for a number of years for 2,000 U.S. dollars for which you get 
a book a month that I've written, so 12 books a month, it's a year-long program, it's all online, it's all digitized. And then four videos that come in to support the, the each book, and at the end you get a certificate of completion. But during these COVID days, I want to give back. I want, I have a resource. I have some, I have something I can give away. And so we have started what we call whatever you want to pay, whatever you want to pay. In a moment, I'm going to give you the website, whatever you want to pay. So that simply means you name the price. It's like going to a restaurant and you get the menu and well, when you will go to the restaurant <laughs> and, and you get the menu and there are no prices on it. And, and uh, you say to the server, sir, sir, there, there, there are no prices on this. I said, nope, no worries. You pay whatever you want to. That's what I'm saying to you. So you will get a book that I've written, 12 books, one a month, four videos that support it, and a certificate at the end. And let me give you a website. It is samchandleadership.com slash COVID. samchandleadership.com slash COVID. When you go there, it's going to ask you for two things, your information so we can start sending stuff to you. And number two, what do you want to pay? No negotiating, no pushback, no email back from us. It's whatever you want to pay, it's yours. And thank you so much for this opportunity because I want literally hundreds of thousands, even millions of people to take advantage of this amazing offer. Samchandleadership.com slash COVID. Wonderful. I think it's a fantastic offer and I appreciate you offering that. You sent me a mail about that about, I think about a week ago, offering it to our leaders. And uh, then when we talked again, I remembered it. And I think it's a very, very important thing for us to get onto. And uh, what an opportunity for people in our congregations to avail themselves of. Well, Sam, thanks for the chat. Um, can you give a couple of closing thoughts, maybe a simple sentence or two of encouragement? to our people and then I'm going to I'm going to pray with them. Absolutely, absolutely. So when I think about the times we are in, it reminds me of the disciples of Jesus who were in quarantine, who were in lockdown. It was a time between his resurrection and his death on the cross. He's in the grave. They are in quarantine. They locked themselves down. But Coming up to it, there's Palm Sunday, where there's exuberance, a celebration, everybody shouting the streets. And remember how it used to be? We went to church, we shouted together, we worshiped together, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then all of a sudden, Good Friday happens. The pandemic hits the world. And we don't know what to do. So we're in lockdown. But what they did not know was Easter was right around the corner. And then what, guess what Jesus does? He walks right into their quarantine. He walks right through the wall into, they were locked down. And he starts talking to them. Now I want you to know, in your lockdown times, God is walking into your rooms, into your bedroom, into your living room, into your drawing room, into your lounge, into your kitchen, into your wherever you are. He is walking in and saying to you, I'm resurrected. Don't be afraid. I've got this. But the best part is that is not the end of the story because God had bigger plans. And that was in the day of Pentecost to launch the church. I am calling the other side of the pandemic relaunch. Rechurch. That's what I'm calling it. Rechurch. Re God's got great plans. And I want everyone, every church believer to know 
God has got amazing things. We don't know what they are, but the, I have responsibility to be ready for whatever that is. I will not push back. I will not resist. I will not overthink. I will not come up against it. I have no opposition because God is about to rechurch, and I want to be in the front line of it, Pastor Andre, leading the church. Fantastic. Well, I want to join you in that, and we're going to see God relaunch. We're going to see many come to Christ, and there's going to be fresh energy, fresh opportunity, and I think it's an exciting future that we're looking forward to. Dr. Sam, thanks very much for being with us today. I'm going to pray for people and then bid you farewell, but we will see each other again, and we'll chat again, so thanks again. Let's take a moment to pray, church. I want to just pray for everyone out there. I hope you've benefited today from the discussion, from the wisdom that has come forth and from this offer. Don't forget this great offer that is available for us. So let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you that our future is bright, that there are, that there are wonderful opportunities ahead and that there's an exciting future that you're opening for us. Help us to stay strong, to lean upon you, to trust you, to rely on you as our shepherd and to believe you and uh, to, to realize your presence is with us, even in lockdown. And then when we relaunch church, when we emerge, help us to emerge stronger, full of faith, and no fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks, Dr. Sam. We'll chat again. God bless you and Brenda. Wasn't that great? Wasn't it good to have Dr. Sam with us once again? Although we can't travel, we've had him on screen, and I hope you really benefited. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.